If you do have your Bibles tonight, we are going to look in the uh, Gospel of Luke chapter, uh, chapter 2 tonight. Um, and we are going to look at the, the, the virgin birth tonight. Um, I will be reading from Luke chapter 2 verse 1 all the way through 21 tonight. It's a very long read, but I, I trust that you will be able to follow along as I read. If you have your Bibles, I'll encourage you to take it. And turn with me as I read and you can follow along whether you are using an electronic version or, um, or, or a hard copy like I do. So I will encourage you to do so tonight. Let us look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is truly a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. David said, I word have I hid in my heart that I will not sin against you. And so precious are your words, Lord. So precious, God, is what all that you have given to us, Lord. And tonight, we just want to thank you, Lord, that we can look into your word. And we pray and ask, God, that you will use your Holy Spirit tonight, that through the power of your Spirit, God, that you will speak to us wherever we are, whether we are uh, in our car or whether we're in our home or wherever we are. And, and God, that your word is being read tonight and those that are listening Lord, will hear your word. I pray, Lord, that you will take your word and speak to every heart and every life. Comfort, bring peace, bring joy, bring hope. Lord, whatever it takes, Lord, whatever it is, I pray, Lord, that every one of us, Lord, at the end of this service, will hear from you and hear from your word. And Lord, we'll, be, we'll leave here, God, feel not only being convicted, but assured, O oh God, of your grace and your mercy that you bestowed on us your love and your comfort that you have given us. And so tonight we give you thanks and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Luke chapter 2 verse 1 says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a censor should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. and Everyone went to their own tongue to register. So Joseph went up from the tongue of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the tongue of David, because he belonged to the house of the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for him to be born. And he gave to her firstborn a son him in cloth and place him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them and there were shepherds living out in the field nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night and the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified but the angel said to them do not be afraid I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the tongue of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign to you. You will find a, babe, a baby wrapped in cloth and laying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. 
When the angel had left them and have gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had happened, what has been told them about this child. And all those, and, and, sorry, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherd returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus. The name the angel had given him before, he, before she was conceived. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. We give God praise and thanks tonight for his, for his goodness. Excuse me. Sorry about that. I had to adjust this a little before. That's why only my head is showing some. Okay. Over this past week, I have been pondering on what to preach on this Christmas Eve. There are so many passages one can choose from, both from the Old Testament and the New Testament. But as I was pondering over and over again and waiting on the Lord, the only message that keeps coming back to me is the message of the virgin's birth. The virgin birth took place 2,000 years ago and is still being celebrated by Christians throughout the world. Because 2,000 years ago, God took on flesh and dwelt among us, was rejected, crucified on a cross, and on the third day, was raised triumphantly from the grave, conquering sin, death, Satan, so that he can offer salvation to lost humanity, to each and every one of us. 2,000 years ago, Love came down to us, brothers and sisters, so that we can be reconciled to a holy God. This is the reason why we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. There has never been, never been a birth in the history of the world like the virgin birth. But what was so unique about the virgin birth? You see, the virgin birth gave, you see, you see the virgin Mary gave birth like every other woman. She gave birth naturally. There was no C-section, I believe, in those days. Every woman who gave birth naturally knows what it feels like. And so did Mary 2,000 years ago. But what was different about the birth, the virgin birth, was the way, the, the way Mary was conceived. Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit, the Bible, the, the, the Word of God tells us. No other woman in the history of the world has ever been conceived by the Holy Spirit. Or, can, or no other woman in the history of the world can make such claim. There is none other like Mary. There will be no other like Mary. There is no other Holy Spirit conceiving anyone else. 
That was God's promise. You see, Mary never had sexual intercourse with Joseph. If she did, Jesus would not have been sinless. If Mary had sexual intercourse with Joseph, Jesus would not have been able to forgive sin. Mary's conception was supernatural. You see, she was conceived by the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of Matthew provides us with those evidence. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18, let me read it for you tonight. And it says that this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. Matthew, be a record. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Not through Joseph. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. And yet, the Bible says, did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. This was in Joseph's heart when he learned that Mary was pregnant. But after he had considered this thing, the word of God tells us in Matthew 20, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not, do not be afraid to make Mary, to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name, you Joseph. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And Matthew verse 22 tells us all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet so many years, 600 years before, that a virgin will conceive and bear a son or give birth to a son. In the words of Isaiah, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And verse 24 says, And when Joseph woke up from this dream and all that he heard, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took, men, and took Mary home to be as his wife, but he did not consume their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave his name Jesus. You see, the Bible clearly bear records that Joseph did not have sexual intercourse with Mary and Mary did not have sexual intercourse with Joseph. The conception was through the power of the Holy Spirit. The, the account of Matthew provides us with the evidence that we need tonight. You see, Jesus got his humanity from Mary and his divinity from the Holy Spirit. He had to be born of a woman. He had to. That is the humanity that the Bible talks about. Just like you and me, but his divinity from the Holy Spirit. That is the reason why he is both God and man, he is the incarnate son of God. He is both human and both divine. Without the Holy Spirit, Jesus would not have been divine. He is both equal man and equal God. In our postmodern world today, brothers and sisters, the world in which we live, especially during this time of the year, 
the virgin's birth is being questioned over and over and over again. Those who reject the virgin birth claim that it is an unscientific and unsupernatural doctrine of the Christian faith. People today want scientific proof of the Holy Spirit's con conception. But hear, hear what the word of God says. Paul will be a record of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. Paul says that the natural person or the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are folly or foolishness to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man wants to understand the things of God. And those who reject the virgin word wants to explain God. They want to explain the things of the spirit. And this is exactly the conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus. For those of you who know our Bible in John 3, in the gospel of John chapter 3, Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, we know that you are a teacher come from God, that no man can do these things like you do. You see, Nicodemus was a religious man had all the knowledge of the, of, of the Torah, of the Old Testament, and everything, but very religious. And when he saw Jesus, recognized that Jesus was no ordinary person. So he came to Jesus by night and he says, we know, we know, we religious people know that you are, not a, you are a teacher come from God. And Jesus looked at him and answered and says, truly, truly, I say to you, you who that are religious, you who knows the law unless one is born again he cannot cannot see the kingdom of God and then Nicodemus posed this question back to Jesus and said how can a man be born again when he's old <laughs> and I think maybe Jesus may have smiled to Nicodemus and as Nicodemus continued with, with, with his question he says can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born again so he wants clarity from Jesus and Jesus answered him and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, or verily, verily, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, brothers and sisters. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel what I said to you, Jesus said to him. You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its song, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And that is what the new birth is all about. That is what Jesus and the, the work of the Holy Spirit, that is the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. When we come to know who Jesus Christ is, we just don't come by our own or our own self. And this is what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus. That born-again experience is, is, is the work of the Holy Spirit. Mary's conception is the work of the Holy Spirit. Coming to salvation and coming to the knowledge of knowing who Jesus Christ is, is the work of the Holy Spirit. No flesh and blood. You just can't wake up one morning and say, I need Jesus in my life unless the Holy Spirit has convicted you of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. You see, the argument around the virgin birth today is nothing new to who formerly believed experienced the virgin birth 2,000 years ago. You see, the Christian faith is anchored in the person and work of Jesus Christ. 
The Christian faith is anchored not only in the person and work of Jesus Christ, but in the person and work of the Holy Spirit, in the life of the believer, in the life of the church, and in the, in, in the world, because the Holy Spirit is actively working. The Holy Spirit is still actively working, convicting the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So without the virgin birth, there is no Christianity. Brothers and sisters, there is no Christianity if there was not a virgin birth. There would be no reason for you and me that are watching tonight to believe in Jesus Christ. You know, C.S. Lewis once said, who, C.S. Lewis, who's once an atheist, said this, Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. And some would say that, that these are the words of Scottish Christian preacher Rabbi John Duncan, who, you know, born in 1796 and died in 1870, and formulated what he called this as a trilemma. So whether it's said by Lewis or by Duncan, it doesn't matter. But that is a clear picture of what the world thinks about Jesus. And it's either you call him a liar for saying that he, there is no other way to God, that I am the way, I am the truth, and the life, or you call him a lunatic or a madman. Or is he truly Lord of your life? Every one of us who come to the knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ will acknowledge him as Lord of our life. If Jesus came as a liar or a lunatic, but those who put their trust in him will acknowledge him as Lord. Throughout the history of the Christian church, we have continued to confess and embrace the words of the Apostle Creed. And I will read a few of the lines of the Apostle Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty. That is what we declare as believers, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ. His only Son, our Lord, who, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. The day, you, the day you and I as believers fail to confess these words of the Apostles' Creed, those are the teachings of God's Word. We have failed to accept the incarnation of Jesus Christ. If Jesus is no longer Lord of our lives, brothers and sisters, something else is. Both Matthew and Luke, both the Gospel of Matthew and Luke, gives us a full account of the virgin's birth. And I am going to briefly touch on Matthew's account tonight, and then we'll jump into a few of Luke's account from the past. Tonight. You see, Matthew's account of Jesus, Matthew presented Jesus as king, son of David, the very opening lines of Matthew. Tracing the genealogy from Abraham to Joseph and Mary. Matthew helps us to understand that Jesus received his royal right. And listen to me, his royal right from Joseph. So Joseph plays an important part in Jesus' birth. To receive the royal right from Joseph, who was his earthly father, legal father. Fulfilling Old Testament prophecies. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 16 will have these words to say, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, from the genealogy, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. 
the anointed one, the Christ, the husband of Mary. So Jesus, Matthew presented Jesus as the king, the rightful king. Not only the crucified king, but the rejected king and the anointed king. Matthew in verse 18 will then continue to go on and say, Matthew will say, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah came about, which is Christ. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But listen to these words. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant. Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit, not through Joseph. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. Which law? Mosaic law, the law of the Old Testament. And yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly because he knew that this woman was pregnant even before they, they, they were together. In the NIV, we read his mother Mary was pledged to be married. Now, I want to make a point here. In the ESV, we read his mother Mary has been betrothed to Joseph. Now, the word betrothed or in the NIV, which says pledge, is not the same, is, is, is not the same word. The, the word that we know today has been engaged. In the ancient world of Mary and Joseph, betrothed was a legal binding arrangement or agreement. For them to break that arrangement, they would have had to have a legal document of divorce. A legal document of divorce. Not the way we see engagement today. Today we can engage and tomorrow we can, we can decide not to continue that engagement. But not so in the ancient world. Verse 19 says, Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. He knew it was only a matter of time. But their commitment was legal and binding. And because of that, he did not want to expose her to disgrace because he knew what would happen to Mary. He had in mind, the Bible says, to divorce her quietly. You see, Joseph and Mary had no sexual relationship, like I said earlier. They were not allowed until such time they were married. Later on, Joseph and Mary will have children after the birth of Jesus Christ, but not before. See, Joseph became Jesus' earthly father through the genealogy of David. Even though Jesus did not inherit Joseph's blood, however, through Joseph, Jesus received the royal right to the throne of David, which, about, which, which we, we read in scripture, which are fulfilled scripture, fulfilled prophecies. However, it was through Mary that Jesus received the royal blood. That is why Mary's story in Luke brings us to that. Jory, Joseph is the royal right, Mary the royal blood, because she was conceived by the Holy Spirit, this God in flesh. This was divine. Now, not only Matthew provides us with evidence, but Luke also was responsible to give us a full account what took place. What we believe today about the virgin birth is not a myth, brothers and sisters. Not a myth or a fairy tale. Not a myth or a fairy tale or make-belief. Christianity, brothers and sisters, is not about fairy tale or myth or belief. The virgin birth is not a myth or, or, or fairy tale. Or, or, or this sort of a, a belief system that we in the opening verse of Luke the letter to Theophilus Luke has to write and he said this many have undertaken to draw 
an account of the things that, that have been fulfilled among us, just as were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself, Luke is writing, have carefully, carefully investigated everything from the beginning. This is Dr. Luke we're talking about. A physician. Someone who knows what is it to, to, to take the evidence and put it together. He says, I too decide to write an orderly account for you, O Theophilus. Most excellent Theophilus. And to every one of us that are living. Luke provides us and Matthew the account. And here what Luke says, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. You are certain of these things. These are not make-believe. These are not fairy tales. These are not myths, sisters. Then in chapter 2, Luke provides us with a polit. Not only he gives us the account and gives a Theophilus the account, but he provides us with, with, with the political, the social, the geographical, and the historical context to prove, to prove what we believe is not a myth or a fairy tale. Like others keep saying in, in the world in which we today, but these are real accounts of real people, real story, real people. You can go back politically, you can go back socially, you can go back geographically, and historically to prove that the birth of Jesus did take place. Now I'm going to briefly, briefly look at these four things that I discussed tonight. Political, social, geographical, and historical very quickly. But I first want to read Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 to you. The Bible says that when the fullness of time had come, Paul wrote, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive the adoption of son. If you listen to that just now, you will hear, when the fullness of time comes, fullness of time politically, geographically, historically, and socially. That's the fullness of time. God was preparing for the arrival of his son into our world. So politically in Luke chapter 2 and the verse 1 says, In those days Caesar Augustus politically, Luke is bearing account, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. That entire Roman world means everywhere Rome had control, even the, the, the Jews that were living in there. And verse 2 said, This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Basically, Quirinius was responsible for the registration of, of Caesar's um, decree. He was responsible to see that everyone come back to their tongue and register. And the third verse says, and everyone went to their own tongue to register. And that is the account that Luke gives us politically. Caesar Augustus, who ruled Rome for 44 years, was known for what Although in those days, Roman peace, he ruled and reigned for 44 years. He issued that decree that a census should be carried out throughout, like I said, the entire world. And the Jews were included because they were not exempt from paying taxes and revenues to, to, to the Roman government. So they were obligated. They had to. There was no whether I'm, you know, there was no ifs or buts. You had to go there. 
Everyone had to go to their place of birth to register. And that is the reason we see here Luke is bearing account of. This is not because Caesar Augustus, I want to make this point here tonight. This is not because Caesar Augustus was, was, was responsible to call a decree. No, this was because the hand of God was, God was fulfilling his promise. Spoken from the mouth of the prophet Micah 600 years ago. God was now fulfilling his promise to Joseph and Mary. Before all of this took place, like I said, and Paul says, when the fullness of time, this was going to be the fullness of time. The prophet Michael saw in chapter 5, verse 2, but, oh, but, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrata, though you are small among the, the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me who will be ruler over Israel, whose origin are from old and from ancient time. This is Micah prophesying 600 years. And now God was going to fulfill that promise. So historically, the, 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 the virgin birth, we can go back historically and, and, and find our proof. 600 years you can go back to the book of Micah and see this was a, prophet, a promise God made to every one of us. Socially, geographically, and historically, all can be found in the next few verses that I'm going to read. First of all, socially, everyone had to go back to their place of birth. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time dealing with each one of these things here because it will take a series of messages to cover them. Everyone had their place, has to go back to their place of birth. This is the reason why Luke said that Joseph was making his way to Bethlehem. Let's read Luke chapter 2 and verse 4 and hear what it says. So Joseph also went up from the tongue of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea. To Bethlehem, the tongue of David. Because, here's, the, here's, the, here's what Luke is saying. Because he belonged to the house and the line of David. Remember what I said? Through Joseph, the, the, the royal right? David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged. He had no reason to go with Joseph. The men were responsible to go. Mary had no reason to go with Joseph. But here what the Bible says, he went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him, pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. This is fulfilling God's promise. This is fulfilling the prophecy of Micah that a child will be born in Bethlehem. Fulfilling all that God was working out in the history of time. And the Bible said that she gave birth to her firstborn, her firstborn son. She wrapped, in, in, wrapped in, in cloth and placed them in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Or some translations that there is no room in the inn. I wonder, you know, even when Jesus arrived 2,000 years ago upon the place of the heart, there were no room in the inn. I wonder if there is room in your heart tonight for Jesus. And many people find that that many people will not open their heart or, or, or a room for him. You see, Mary had no reason to go, like I said, because of her baby. God was fulfilling his promise because Joseph also knew what would happen to Mary if he leave her behind. But the promise had to be fulfilled. So, politically, geographically, sorry, uh, socially, Geographically and historically, Jesus had to be born where? Geographically in Bethlehem, socially to their own people. 
historically, the evidence that we have, all of what Christianity has to offer brothers and sisters to you and to me, we can go back and look at the evidence both Luke and Matthew provides us. So I want to say tonight that the virgin birth is not a myth or a fairy tale or a make-believe. These are real people, like I said, with real stories. Historically, these data, are, these data, are, these data are very much verifiable. So many have tried in the past to prove that what Christianity claim about resurrection is false. Many of those like Josh McDowell, C.S. Lewis, Lee Strobel, to name a few, set out just to, set out just to do just but that to prove Christianity wrong. But in the end were converted. They were converted. They came to know who Jesus Christ is. And they surrendered their life to him. You can read the story of Josh McDowell. You can read the story of C.S. Lewis. You can read the story of Lee Strobel. The one who, who, if you look at the Netflix movie, The Case for Christ, it will give you a, 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 an account of his life and what he set out to prove that the resurrection was false. That he was going to prove it. And yet again, he could not. With all the evidence that he accumulated, could not have proved. And so people today still cannot do that. You see in our world today, brothers and sisters, those who reject Christianity and the Lordship of Jesus Christ can easily put their beliefs, their belief in a Santa Claus. I mean, you can see him all over the place today on our billboards, on our TV. It is easy for those who reject Jesus Christ as Lord to put their belief in a Santa Claus, a make-belief. To teach their children to believe in a Santa Claus. A Santa Claus that jumps from roof to roof, as some Hollywood movie depicts, to deliver presents on a Christmas morning to our children? That's fairy tale. Why you teach them that? But they find it very difficult to teach their children about the truth on the real Jesus and the gift, that, the gift of salvation that Jesus Christ come to give. We don't just celebrate Christmas because, you know, we believe in a pagan religion. No, this is no paganism in Christianity. Because the birth of Jesus is real and it's true. And salvation is true. It is easy, it is easy for the critics and for those who reject Christianity to accept the stories painted by Hollywood and Disney. But will never want to pick up this Bible and read it for themselves. To know the truth of God's word. They will never pick up the Bible. But we will watch movies and we will go to, the, to, 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 to our, our, our God, which we call Google, that can answer every question that we have. You want to know how to paint? You want to know how to do something? You go to the God of the, of the internet, which is Google. And it will tell you. And you want myth? You get myth. You want to prove that Jesus Christ never exists? You can get it on Google. It is much easier in our day, brothers and sisters, to embrace a lie instead of a truth. The truth of God's word. The truth that Jesus came to offer his life and to set us free from the power of sin and death and hell. And to give us eternal life. And that is what this Christmas story is all about. That is the why we celebrate Christmas today, brothers and sisters. Because it's only, in true, it's only through Jesus Christ that salvation, that we can receive salvation. 
In closing, I would like to close with these words from Pastor John McCart, and I think it, 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 it speaks well of what we're talking about here tonight and who Jesus is. And to quote from him, he says, the supernatural birth of Jesus is the only way you can account for his life. The king is revealed. His birth proved who he is. In Christ, God came to dwell among us. And listen to this, what he has to say. With the sick, to heal them. With the demonized, to liberate them. With the poor in spirit, to bless them. With the meek, to lift him up to his kingdom. With the fearful and the guilty, to set them from care and from dread. With the leprous, to cleanse them. With the disease, to cure them. With the hunger, to feed them. And to the sinner and the lost, to seek and to save those that which is lost. End the quote. And that is true too. Jesus came for the meek, for the fearful, for the leprous, for the hunger, for the sinners, for the lost. Jesus came to heal broken marriages and broken homes and broken relationships. We cannot find that in a Santa Claus. Santa don't heal broken relationships and broken homes and broken lives and disease and hunger. Let us put our hope and our trust into the true Jesus. That is Jesus Christ, our Messiah, our Lord, our God, our King. And with these words in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9, I want to close. Therefore, brothers and sisters, God... <coughs> exalted him God exalted Christ to the highest place and give him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father Every knee will bow at the Lordship of Jesus Christ because God has highly exalted him and, and give him that name. At the name, of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, demons tremble. At the name of Jesus, sickness are being healed. Lives are changed and transformed because it is through the power of the Holy Spirit that is at work. So this Christmas season, let us celebrate him for who he is, brothers and sisters. Let us celebrate Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your word and thank you, Lord, for the virgin birth. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for the cross. Thank you because you came and you gave your life. You're no longer in a, in, in a manger wrapped in <coughs> swaddling cloths. Oh, God, we just want to thank you tonight because you have given your life for us. And we celebrate that tonight, Lord, that we can share in that life Life eternal, God. Every one of us who surrender our life to you, God, to know you. We don't believe in a myth or a fairy tale, but we believe in you, Lord, the one who came and to save that which was lost. So thank you tonight for every home, every heart, every life that are listening to my voice wherever they are, God, and if they don't know you, Father, I pray that they will come to know you, whom to know is life to eternal. As they listen to your word tonight, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to convict them of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And Lord God, help them to surrender their life to you. It is only you that can draw them and bring them to the knowledge of the truth. 
Help them not to believe in a Santa Claus or to teach their kids about Santa, but help them to believe in the truth of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help them to know, God, that your word is truth and that they can trust in you when they read it, God, that it will come alive in their hearts. And so we give you praise and thanks tonight, Lord, for every heart, every life, every family. And Lord, as we partake in the communion tonight, that which you have asked us to do, as often as you, we, we, we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we do show your death until you come. And tonight, Father, I ask that you will bless these emblems, these, that are, this bread and this wine as we partake tonight, God, that you will help us again to celebrate that which you have done for us. In Jesus' name. Amen.